Before we jump into this week's amazing podcast, we're excited to announce a new partnership with Vivo Barefoot, who are sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast. They've got a special offer just for podcast listeners with using SOC15. You can get 15% off any Vivo Barefoot shoes. We have been using these, and let's uh, it's probably no small feat to say this is a game changer for your feet. And if you look after your feet, Timbo, your feet will look after you. Yeah, this one's an absolute no-brainer for me. Like we've we've got a pair of Vivo Barefoots, and they are literally my favourite pair of shoes. And they've even surpassed my cowboy boots, um, which I've interestingly, when I put those on now, having worn Vivos for some time and, and started to integrate more into barefoot running in them, doing trail runs in them, or training them, just generally wear them for lifestyle purposes as well. If I go back and put my other shoes on, my feet feel properly squashed in. Um, having the freedom of that wide sh- um, toe box on the Vivo on the Vivos is just. Yeah, it is like you say, it's a game changer, and I am a hundred percent sold and converted to the barefoot lifestyle. Yeah, I've even occasionally gone a little bit even more hardcore and literally gone out running without anything on, just actual bare feet. But for those that aren't familiar with um, with Vivo Barefoots um, and the benefits, is when you look at your normal shoe, how small that is in comparison to the size of your actual feet and where it wants to be, you may well have, like me. I had a, a little toe that was literally obsolete, um, couldn't move it, couldn't do anything with it. It's just been spent its whole life crushed up against the other feet. Um, and it was, wasn't something that really I was aware about. When I first got those Vivo Barefoots, it was almost like I looked at them, I was like, crikey, these are wide. Like, why do they need to be so wide? And one of the, it's sort of seeing how much space we actually do need for our for our shoes and for our feet to be able to move. And if your feet aren't functioning right and that's your stable point of contact with the floor, we know from Kinetic Chain Principles that's going to have an effect all the way up the chain. So, you know, speaking from for me and, and Tim, as you say, we have felt the benefit and uh, couldn't rate the the shoes high enough and uh, can't see myself going well say if you ever do go back to any of the shoes that you've got because it's um it's a bit hard to just throw all of your other shoes out all of a sudden isn't it but um you you notice that difference and spending more time having space for your feet to do what they need to do and be how they need to be is something that is going to help with our overall health and longevity yeah, for the visual learners amongst you, if you're thinking what Jacko, you're wondering, wondering what do Jacko's toes look like? If you imagine a pack of Chipolata <laughs> sausages packed in, possibly the last box that everyone else has left on the shelf, that's what they were like. And he's now actually made some good progress. But if you want to get involved, you can use code, get 15% off. And the guys are super generous. There's a 100-day trial period. So wear them for 99 days. If you go, do you know what? These aren't for me. Send them back. They're cool with it. But I would be pretty sure you won't do that. You'll keep them and then you'll want to wear them all the time. Yeah, so the link is in the show notes. The code you need to use, once again, is SOC15. Get yourself 15% off. It's worth trying them out. You could have them for 99 days and then send them back, couldn't you? But uh, there's no chance that you will be wanting to send them back. And uh, yeah, you can join us in the world of barefoot living. Let's get stuck into this week's podcast. Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Now, I was a bit nervous about this one because we've got B-Boy Wicket on the podcast and I was a bit kind of hesitant that Jacko might turn up. You know, one of those like, awkward B-Boys that's not really a B-Boy but wants to be a B-Boy? <laughs> I didn't know a Jacko was going to morph into that. Imagine Carlton from Fresh Prince. That's what I had in mind, but... 
I'm happy to say you held it together, Jacko, and you, I think you, you represented yourself well. Yo, man, this one was dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I should have done. But uh, no, it's uh, it was a pleasure to have uh, Wicket on the podcast. He's uh, a few of you will have watched. Uh, we've done some lives with him before. He's uh, he's become a friend of the Scorecast Cynics, and I think we both have a uh, an inner an inner b boy in us, or everyone does, but some of us don't actually manage to get that to come out. Um, you'll hear about Tim potentially embarking on the idea of learning how to do flares. Um, and it may go in the same, uh, the same box as my Iron Cross that when we just spoke to Sam Oldham a couple of years yeah, ago, no, which is I, still in that box. Yeah, but I think it's different. I think it's different. I agree with, with Wiki. You've, you've 100% got that. And um, it's, that's going to be way more fun than doing Iron Cross is going to be just miserable. Whereas flares is and it's cooler. Anyway, so uh, yeah, no, it's a great podcast. Good to catch him, and just such a different take on on movement and training and how that fits in with music as well. You'll have the uh, you'll have already heard some of his work. You won't even know that you have. So he's also a DJ, and uh, he produced the the sound music for the start of the Scorecast Cast next podcast. So uh, that jingle that you hear, that is uh, that is B Boy Wicket himself. B-Boy Wicket on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Roll the jingle. So we're very excited today. We've got a very special guest. No other than B-Boy, Mr. B-Boy himself, B-Boy Wicket. Our, proud to say, like our our friend. We've uh, It's one of these things that the beautiful world of Instagram has managed to connect us with... Um, yeah, like a star of the b-boy world. I've, I have an inner b-boy in me that I wish I could break dance and would have loved to have been able to do that as a kid and still as an adult uh, would like to. But uh, welcome to the podcast. We'll dive into a bit of that. How are you doing? Hey, how you guys doing? And I appreciate the uh, the invite. Glad to be here. Just uh, give it. Just give us a little bit of a a, a very quick whistle stop tour of, of um, who is b-boy wicket. Um, where just how how do we connect and um, and then we'll dive into some of the into some of the juicy stuff. Well, I'm a I'm a b boy. I started breaking in 1993, uh, born and raised in San Francisco, and uh, yeah, it's crazy how how the world works right now with Instagram and social media, and we're just able to meet people all over the world, and it's a it becomes a small a small community, and I think it's I think it's awesome. How did you get a b boy name? How did you get Wicked? Uh, well. Uh, so I just got to sixth grade, you know, and, um, everybody in school was just, everyone had hats with their names on it or jackets with their nicknames on it. And it was just the coolest thing I thought, you know, and everyone was doing it. So I wanted to be just like them. And, uh, so I ended up going to the mall with my parents one weekend and I see a, a hat store with somebody offering embroidery, like to put your name on it or your mm. team name or something like that. And I was just so hype. I was like, oh, mom, I want to get a hat. I want to get a hat with my name on it. With, And I was thinking like, damn, what name do I want though? I don't want to just put my first name. I don't want to put Gabriel on it, you know? And so a week before this, uh, there was a, a series, a, a spinoff series on Star Wars about the Ewoks. And uh, one of the characters was Wicked from the Ewoks. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was the coolest thing. I've, I've always loved <laughs> Wicked. You know, he was just the coolest little Ewok. And it just like popped in my head. Wicked. I want Wicked. I wanted to say Wicked. 
<laughs> so ever since ever since the sixth grade, I That's used to it. just wear my hat in school, and everyone would yell across the hallway, "Hey, what's up, Wicked?" You know, I'm a little <laughs> kid, you know, big guys are just like who could throw me and lock me up in a the locker. They, you know, they thought I was cool because I had the hat, and and you know, I just it just carried ever since, you know. So, uh, which, which is kind of which is kind of a a, a sad thing because uh, one of the questions I asked on on my Instagram was, uh, "How does one dancer?" get his or her name, her dance name. And people were saying, well, they have to earn it from either their teacher or their crew or who they dance around. And, you know, people were coming up with really cool stories. And I kind of, I kind of robbed myself of that opportunity. You won, and what, you won a competition not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was, talk uh, to us. So this, this competition that I won in November is uh, at the event called Freestyle Session, which is like, which is like the Super Bowl of of b-boying, of of breaking, and uh, this category, this particular category, was for it was the first time they've ever done it, and it was for the uh, forty and over category. <laughs> it should have been called the Masters. The old boys, <laughs> the best boys. Right there, you go. So yeah, so, uh, yeah. So yes. how old are you? Uh, I'm forty-one. Oh, you look younger than Tim. Well, you're you know, like winning that race. It's 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 makeup, you know. It's makeup. You have you have, to have a good makeup artist, good lighting, you know. And Tim never. Right. Tim always pretends he doesn't have makeup on. No, I have. I haven't. I'm actually. What I did <laughs> yeah. if I do. Wicked we need to connect after this. That's going to be a. a, a we'll pick this up offline about <laughs> yeah. uh, wardrobe, makeup, that, that lighting, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So, how old were you when you started? When you started breaking? Uh, I believe I was 14, maybe 14, 15, around that. Because this is something I wanted to ask you. My little boy is three years old, right? And he he loves dancing, he loves movement, and he is properly into hip hop. Um, so there's a there's a few CDs that he likes. We get in the car and he'd be like, "Daddy, listen, hip hop." <laughs> so I'm like, I always put it on for him. But now he's getting to the point where like I don't want to keep the swearing going. So I've got to, like I'm telling him oh, we can't listen to hip hop today. Um, but we've sort of said I, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of freestyle sports um, and getting away from what has been referred to in like our background as strength and condition coaches is like square sports where there's like very strict rules like a perfect example is like is a like diving or gymnastics even mm -hmm. to a point where you've got such a strict like structure these are the things you have to do um that you almost kind of know particularly in diving what the athlete is going to do before they even jumped off the board ah. whereas in a freestyle sport you've got such freedom to be creative and i really want jack my little boy to have that as part of his life just tell us a little bit about like how your how the culture is around breakdancing and how what it's like growing up in that with love of music and of, of dance and how that comes together well what's beautiful about breaking is uh, you can be totally spontaneous and you, you, you want to be, you want to wow the crowd or, you know, the competition with a surprise of, you know, moves that you're going to do. It, it, it's all determined by music as well. So you can't really have a set in mind of what you're going to do for like when you start dancing, you, the music has to, has to control that. And um, of course there's foundation, there's form, there's, but when the music takes over, that that's really all that matters is is that you just connect to the music, and and once the crowd sees that, then you know you're gold. So it's not there's it's not a like you'd not you don't have a routine that you practice like from start to end and then like roll that out when it's competition time. Um. Well, at practice, there there are people that write down moves in in their combination, and yeah, you know, for example, I would try to do that and it would mess me up. You know, that, that would just mess up my whole, you know, it was a mind 
my whole mind mentality would be messed up if I started thinking about what combination I'm going to do before I start dancing. So right. once I just, you know, just realized that it's all about the music, I'm just going to do what my, what the music makes me do. And, you know, that, that, that's really how I got comfortable with my style. So you'd, you'd effectively practice presumably like individual like skills, but how they actually come together is just completely how you feel up the, the, on the day and, and what the music's doing for you. Yeah, because uh, the, the music is going to be different every time. You know, you don't want to, if, if you're going to do something so perfect at practice and then do that exact same combination in the competition, it'll look, it'll look mechanical. There's, yeah. it won't look like there's any uh, rawness to it. You know, in breaking, of course, you know, if you mess up, you have to play it off and, and turn into an actor. You know, you have to commit to your role and just, you know, just just roll with it. Because if you do something so perfect, you know, as a judge, when I see that, I'm like, OK, well, that looks like something he would do. At, he or she would do at practice. But where's the connection with the music? You know, so it, it's a, it's a yeah. tricky it's a tricky situation sometimes. Yeah, I guess it was. Um, it was born out of music, wasn't it? And I, um, I got, I was so excited at the start. I forgot to mention that, um, the music that people hear at the beginning of the scorecard Senex is none other yes. than a mix that you, uh, you <laughs> kindly did for us and sent over, which was massively great for me. You hear it every single time <laughs> that the podcast is played, but for people listening, you know, you're a DJ as well. And it's, that's, you know, that's your actual music. So it's your own music on the, on the podcast that you are then the guest. So, um, yeah, I was too excited at the beginning that I forgot to forgot to mention that, but I wanted to just slide that in. Um, that's awesome. I mean, I, every time I hear it, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's <laughs> something I create. And, and, and it's and, and, you know, with with it being tied to you guys, show, it's just uh, it's, it's an honor. Yeah, well, we just want to. Yeah. Thank you. for Thank you for doing it. And um, obviously you have that love for for music. I was watching there was something on Netflix that was um, the hip hop evolution i think yeah or hip-hop revolution yes and um one of the one of the early ones was talking about like how the break like the break dancing started by when the djs were using like the breaks in the songs to, for the mixes and that's when everyone started dancing that was why it was called break dancing have i got that did i have i interpreted that right yeah they they, they uh it, it, it's uh it's called the break of the song where the drums are yeah it's just uh is what you hear in the song and the djs would just uh they would go they would extend that break by going back and forth with the two turntables and then it turned in and then people would start breaking to the break they would start dancing to the break which turned into yeah. break boy or break girl nice and then eventually break dancing as we know it today so how's it How's it evolved over time? Because I've I've, I've sort of I have to admit it's, it's not something that I've I've a coach that I've been in immersed in for for many years. But you sort of just being in and around movement, you see parts of it and you see it changing. It looks to me like the this, the standard and the complexity of it has has grown um, quite significantly over the years. There's more and more advanced tricks, and and I sometimes see it and look at some of the stuff that the guys are doing, and I'm like, from a strength perspective, it is serious. Not yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, nobody <laughs> is safe. Nobody's <laughs> safe. I mean, you 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 have uh, in competitions six-year-old kids coming out there smoking adults. Like <laughs> it's not it's not safe. You know, there's too much information out nowadays. You know, with social media and 
YouTube, all the information is out there, you know, people coming up with new moves. It's, you know, these new moves, you, you, you really tried to keep a secret back in the day, you know, before YouTube, it was, you didn't want to show anybody anything. And, and now, nowadays, everything's like, hey, look, look what I just learned or teaching this today. I'm, you know, it's everything's so like up for grabs, but it just makes the level that much harder. And uh, I'm just glad to say that I already did my thing and I don't have to worry about no kids trying to battle me. <laughs> <laughs> and how does that process work then of coming up with like a new move that you want to you do? Because like, as I say, I'm, I'm a fan of freestyle sports. So if it takes snowboarding, for example, you see some of the guys going to push in the envelope a little bit, but often it's structured around core principles of it's a rotation or a spin or um, or whatever, or a flip, whatever it might be. Is it, is it, is it the same kind of components in, in breakdancing where you, you've got some central moves and then everything then starts to stem from there and it becomes a matter of how creative you want to be? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that have been done already, you know, and so what you want to do is get inspired by these moves and try to build off of it and, and flip it your way. Or a lot of the times uh, you, you're trying a move and, and you mess up, which becomes an accident that can create to originality. So you just kind of have to, you know, study. You have to watch you watch yourself, you know, film yourself and, and just, just see like a lot of slow motion going on, you know, like mm. watching the, the clips yeah. in slow motion, reversing it and, and just getting ideas on how, how to, to, to flip a, a move that's been done a hundred times and, you know, just figure out ways to be original. And uh, that, that's, that's how you're, you're going to be able to stick out today in today's scene. What's then, I wanted to ask you about what's your sort of philosophy on, on movement and, and training towards it? Obviously, like we've had a number of different guests and, and people on the podcast, like, you know, it, it's, it's by no means strictly calisthenics, but we very rarely have anyone coming on to talk about calisthenics. Actually, we're talking about other things and seeing how they can fit in. Um, it just seems like potentially a very different way of looking at, at movement and at training. Just yeah, can well, you sort of open up on that. Well, the movement, like pure movement is, is dope. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of movement, you know, there's movement and then there's how do you connect that movement to music, you know, two different worlds. So, you know, the, the best of both worlds, you just got to have a balance. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I can't do. Like, you know, handstands, handstands for me, I'm terrible at handstands. I mean, if, if I had to do a judge solo and just, and somebody would say, hey, do a handstand for your solo. I would, I would just, I would fall over. I mean, the music is what makes me, that's, that's what drives me. If the music tells me to do a handstand, I'll do a handstand with, with style, you know, like with whatever the music makes me do with it, you know? So it's just, you gotta have, I think you gotta have the balance of both worlds there. And then what about, what about like, what does training look like for a, uh... For if you if you know if if I say for I say I was like right I'm done with calisthenics I'm gonna do I'm gonna go full on break dancing that's all I'm gonna do like how I'm imagining my training would be significantly different and worlds apart like what does what does training look like is it the type of thing that people have lots of different um, sort of approaches to it some people are more methodical than others or is it all completely just sort of free and how do you go do you do some every day like how does it how does it work sort of from your own experience and then also what, what you know other people potentially do? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's all over the map. It just really depends on who trains you, who, who your teachers are. Um, the way that I came up, I, I was in the studio, every in, in the practice area every day, you know, practicing all day, seven, eight hours a day. If I wasn't working physically, I would be writing down combinations in school, you know, on what to work on when I get to practice. So my mind was just totally locked in. And, uh, you know, I, I started in a, in a, in a, in an era where power moves, you know, like the gymnastic, like the flares and anything mm. powerful dynamic, that's, you know, I started in 93 and around that time, that's all that was popular, uh, where I was growing up, you know? So that's all I did was just straight power moves. I didn't, there was no dancing, there was no footwork. There was no, no real b-boy foundation to what I was doing. I was just doing what was popular at the time, and I didn't realize until like four years later that I needed to learn foundation, which is which is footwork, which is character, which is musicality, uh, connecting to the music, originality. So I kind of learned backwards. And nowadays, it's you got to be. It, it's harder nowadays because everybody is well-rounded. You know, to compete. To, to last, to win a competition, you have to be well-rounded and learn both of these things. I mean, power moves for me was, was pretty easy to learn because I was younger, I was lighter, I was more flexible, you know? And, uh, you know, for somebody that is already an adult, trying to learn power moves first is, is gonna be really hard because, you know, you're, you're, you're a full-grown adult and, you know, it's, it's gonna be a lot more to work on, flexibility and, you know, and, just keeping keeping up with the younger generation. So uh, today is is really it's it's tough. You got to really just uh, balance out your week and and make sure you 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 set some goals aside, like for what you're gonna do during the week. If if you're gonna work on footwork, let's say work on footwork for two days, and then after that we'll just work on power moves. After that we'll work on top rock, which is the dancing part of breaking. You know, I mean, there's there's so many there's so much things to work on now. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I was some stuff when I look at it, it's like the single moves. It's probably like um, the frustrating part of being for, for someone like you in the in the culture and in the industry, and for someone like me looking at it. But I would love to learn to do flares. Like it's just, yes. uh, it's such a cool. Like you look at it and just go, it's impossible to not to look at that and go, it's just, it's just badass. I mean, yeah, um, the flares are amazing. I mean, that's that's one of the first moves that I learned. You know, it took me about three months to learn that, and uh, you know, I was fifteen then. But now it's like the most hardest move for me to do i mean it's just i hate them i hate them because they take so much <laughs> effort to do but if it's done correctly i mean it, it, it looks amazing you're right yeah yeah i don't know maybe there's one for the uh i need some more time some more training time i think but um i yeah, reckon, you, yeah, so I reckon you could you've got the i've probably got the hip mobility to do it yeah which would be and the shoulder strength is it is it something like you've you've seen tim move like is that re is that a realistic goal for him if he wanted to do that? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you just really have to dedicate some time and, and and be faithful to just that for, I don't know, maybe for a month, maybe two months. I mean, that's all you can do. You know, if you really want to learn that move, uh, you just you just got to be really selfish and 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 yeah. dedicate two months to it, maybe three. I mean. Maybe less. It really just depends on yeah. how much time you put into it. But def definitely, yeah, Tim, Tim definitely will be able to hit some flares. Maybe combinate it to a handstand or or, or handstand to Ooh. a flare. You know, I mean, you guys, okay. you, yeah. you, you guys, <laughs> you guys are. 
it, it's it's uh it's open field for you guys you know because you guys are strong you guys have a sense of balance a sense of movement and you know it's just it's just once you learn these moves it's uh it could be game over <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've watched a lot of um, YouTube videos before about doing it, but never actually put it into practice. Well, this is a very different conversation because we have a mutual connection through Carl Pioli. Right. And um, we, when, we had, when we had Carl on the podcast a while ago, and um, we were talking about whether I was, at the time, I was putting a fair amount of time into my, my plans training. And, um, and, and I asked Carl, and he said, to, um, he goes, Tim, one thing you've got to come to terms with is that you might never do a planche and now I said that to you I want to do flares and you're like yeah you can do flares so this is this is definitely like (laughs) well this is the kind of positivity that I'm looking for it's possible I mean anything is possible if you if you're serious about learning a flare or learning to do two flares maybe three I mean I mean you're still young you're you're athletic you're strong why not you know give it some time yeah I could teach you Yeah, mate. I was going to say, well, um, I, might, I might need some progressions just to see if I can find a bit of, a bit of time. And how, for, for a skill like that, how long do you think, if someone was looking at breakdancing, go, I want to add a, something a bit different to my movement practice. And, and this is one thing I think which probably attracts Jack and I um, to what you do, is that there's lots of movement. Movement has become a very kind of um, a, big, a big space these days. But there's few forms, I think, which are comparable to breakdancing where you've got such cool ways to move such innovative ways to move with the artistic and creative side of it um if, if someone wanted to get started like how how much time do they need to give to it how do they get on board with like just playing around with it um and, and what's a good place for people to begin um well i mean youtube is crazy with loaded with tutorials uh i, I would recommend uh you know just you have to practice every day I mean, once you start, that's it. You got to keep going. If you stop one day, then you're, you're ta- taking a step back and it, it's going to keep you and it's going to uh, you won't learn. It's it's, it's always going to be something that you need to do every day. Footwork, top rock, all, all the foundation, you know, the, the three step, the six step. Um, you can always go on onto Instagram and, you know, either find me or, or there's I mean, there's there's loads of tutorials out there. You know, you just. You just got to find what you're, you got to find what you like to do. If you like to do power moves, if you want to learn flares, start with flares, you know, just practice flares every day. Make sure you stretch, you know, and all the, the warm-ups and all that. And uh, once you get the ball rolling, you know, then learn something else. Maybe learn some footwork, learn some, learn, learn how to dance. You got, number one, you got to learn how to dance. You got to be able to dance. <laughs> I mean, if you, if it's a time now where you have to be, it's a dance, you know, you can't just go out there and throw some flares or some head spins or some footwork. You got to be able to connect to the music. It's, it's gotta be, you, you gotta know who you are as a, as a dancer first and that'll yeah. make everything easier, you know, but um, I mean, if you're just beginning, you know, getting your feet wet, I wouldn't worry too much about, um what to do first i mean it's what attracts you first if it's flares and you got to work on flares you know you got to start somewhere and get the ball rolling um mm. because you don't want to be uh have somebody tell you no you got to work on foot you got to do foundation first and then you know that's something that you really don't it's not really appealing to you and you, you don't want that type of that energy to to kind of push you away you know like i didn't at first yeah. i didn't i didn't like footwork you know i didn't i saw you know i saw how how uh, it was it was done and i didn't really what, what attracted me was the power moves you know i, I like the the head spins the big moves that the you know 
And it wasn't until later that I understood and I, you know, I was older and I was more open to understanding what the dance was about. Then I was like, okay, I, I need to learn this foundation to, to be a complete B-boy. Whilst we know you are probably really enjoying the podcast, there's something else that we think you will also really enjoy. And that is the virtual classroom. If you're a beginner, we have got an eight-week free beginner's program designed to help you start your calisthenics journey where you're going to learn how to move better, get superhuman strong, and have a lot of fun along the way. If you're ready to take your training to the next level and learn some of the iconic calisthenics movements like a frog to handstand or a muscle-up, then inside the virtual classroom you are going to find all the training programs and educational information that you need. But rather than keeping you from the podcast for any longer than necessary, head over to schoolofcalisthenics.com where you're going to find a bodyweight training resource which is different to anything else available anywhere. Tim, I think they're ready to get back to the podcast. Yeah, so in terms of one of the things that we wanted to touch on was around that community side of things as well. Like what's it? What's the community like? Because obviously there's a there's a, there's a there's a confrontational part of, of breakdance in terms of the performance side of things of how often competitions are set up. What's it like as a as a as a as, a, as I say like a community of people engaging, interacting with each other? Like it strikes me as being very sort of supportive and energetic. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean we're all here to support each other. You know, everybody. Uh, it, it's a small world, you know, it's a very small world once you once you get into the scene and um, it, it's different now, you know, like before everyone was secretive, everyone didn't tell you where practices were or they didn't want to show you how to do a certain move or if they had videos, VHS tapes, VCRs, <laughs> you know, there was no YouTube. So VHS tapes, if you had videos of certain breakers from a different city, a different country, you know, that was rare. That was like secret footage you didn't want to show anyone because maybe this video contained moves that you've never seen before or a style that you've never seen before. So you would always, I mean, when I had access to these tapes, I would just study them, you know, like just like how everyone goes on YouTube today, you can get out there and study, but it was rare back then, so you, you kept it to yourself. But nowadays, it's everything is so out there that, you know, we're just all here to support each other and, and just to, to grow. You know, I mean, you got six-year-old kids that are just crazy, you know, way ahead of their time. So I think it's a beautiful thing. And uh, it, it sort of strikes me there's a very different... Um take back then when you were sort of at your at your, at your peak of going ultimately a competition was like a, a battle right and and you you potentially have literally no idea what the other person is going to do um which compared to how anything like don't even look you know obviously now people can see all sorts of stuff in in even in the b-boy world because of youtube and social media but of any sort of sporting event it would always be everyone knew what each other was sort of doing so that must have been quite a like the mindset of that being a very yeah very different um different approach yeah which i imagine is challenging when you're actually competing yeah i mean back then like i said you know it was rare to have videos of anyone and um you really didn't know what this person was capable of doing even if you've seen this person compete before um, there wasn't that many events, so you had mm. time to, to create some new combinations or, you know, anything uh, that, that you can show at the next competition 
you know, with some new content, you know, so today it's, it's harder because there's so many more yeah. competitions. Because, everyone, yeah. that, everyone that's competing is, you know, if you're in the competing circuit, you want to stay competing because these people get, you know, these, these people get flown out to compete and, uh, and there's a lot of, there's more, more money involved now, you know, yeah. for the prize. So, uh, you know, the person that won last month can be at the next event, but does that person have time to practice some new skills, you know, come up with some new, you know, content? Not really. You just got to make sure you stay healthy and, uh, yeah. and, and well enough to compete. So the, the people that you're going against can definitely know your moves already. You know, there's setups to certain moves that people would do that are so rehearsed or, or so viewed so much that, it's really hard to 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 catch people off guard. You really have to, you know, you got to be. Yeah. You have to. You really have to be clever. How how like how big is the competition element of it at the? If you think of like that, at the heart and essence of it, is it the type of thing that like the the purist is more interested in? It's just it's about me and my body moving, like and connecting with the music and. And that's actually what it's about rather than it being about beating this other person that's in front of me. Or is that, is that comp the competitive element sort of woven into the whole sort of ethos and mantra of it? Where, where does the sort of, where do you stand on that? And where does, where does the sort of community of, of uh, breaking stand on that? I mean, there's a lot of elements now. I mean, there are people that just go to the events just to be there, just to, just to hang out and socialize and, uh, there are people that just want to cipher, which is, you know, a circle that uh, a circle of dancers that will take turns and they will just vibe with each other. Like you go and then I'll go and we'll, yeah. you know, just sort of just vibe all night, whatever. And then there's a competitor, which is strictly there just to I'm going to go to the event. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> I'm going to stretch. I'm going to warm up a little bit. I'll jump in the cipher a couple of rounds to get warm. And then I'm sitting down until they call my name to to compete, you know, so it's. It, it, it's kind of just like all over the map now, you know, I mean, there's even yeah. B-boys that'll show up, break a little bit, maybe compete, and then they'll end up DJing, you know, that's, you know, that's what I do, yeah. you know, I'll yeah. show up, you know, and, you know, socialize and, and, uh, and, and break a little bit. And sometimes I'll, I'll jump on the turntables and spin a couple times. And then I might even be judging that day. So it's really, uh, it's yeah. crazy. You know, it's, it's all, is there any, is there any like judgment on that though? Like, will someone get look? You know, if someone like is being super serious and like warming up and straightening, like and doing all that, like, is that look? Is that sort of frowned upon slightly, or or not? Is it is it a case of like there is no judgment other than the, other than the judges, but there is no judgment as a as a community? Like you've been from what what we see on um, your Instagram and particularly right now, like very um, welcoming of absolutely everybody, even the likes of us. Um, but yeah, is that what the is that the whole is that is that the whole thing? Like if I if I rocked up and tried to do my three step at a, <laughs> a cipher, would everyone be would people be laughing along and, and welcoming me, or they'd be like, "Who's this douchebag?" Uh, you know, <laughs> every every event is gonna be different. You know, what I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get it from all angles. You know, it just it just none of that should matter to you. You know, like I don't. You know, I'll. I'll jump out there and people start laughing at me, you know, and I've been at it since 93, you know, so it's like, it's something that's just going to be a part of it, you know, yeah. but what really matters is, is that you get in a cypher and you just share the vibe, you know, if you're a beginner, if you're an old school guy and, 
you or you're trying to get back into it after not, you know, after stopping for a number of years or whatever it is, just as long as you jump in there and share the vibe and show us that you're having fun. And, you know, that's all that really matters. Yeah. I yeah, think no, it's a really cool. interesting sort of um, comparison because like I, I follow snowboarding a little bit and mm-hmm. there was a thing when, um, when the snowboarding became more of a professional sport and there was all of a sudden it was included in the Olympics and the X Games was cool and then it's, now it's, a, it's an Olympic sport. Um, there'll, be, there'll be those within snowboarding that don't feel like the sport has gone in the right direction because it's moved away from the purest approach of what it originally was. Um, is that something which you have in, in breakdancing? Because obviously you've got big brands now coming in supporting competitions, the Red Bulls of, of the world. Is there still a purest group of people that are just like detached from, from this, this sort of the commercial aspect of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, I mean, breaking is in the Olympics now. You know, it's going to be in Paris, twenty twenty four. And uh, yes, I've forgotten about you know, that. There's, there's a lot of people that are just like, nah, this is this is bullshit. You know, this is it's not a sport. This is a dance. <laughs> still in our culture. This is, and I'm just like, you know what? This is. Everybody is just uh, has their own opinion and. You know, from from where I come from, being in the Olympics, like if breaking was in the Olympics, you know, that was just huge, you know, for me coming up as a kid. And I can see where these people are coming from and they're just very just uh, territorial of it. And I I could see both sides. But at the end of the day, you know, it's about breaking. It's about our cultures being our our culture is going to be on the big stage, you know, and Mm. whether they like it or not, you know, it's uh. I think it's great for the world to see. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's um it's the evolution of it. Surely, it's yeah. it's one of those yeah. things that, and it's going to happen whether you fight against it or not. Whether or not, um, yes, exactly. I mean, so you just, I mean, I get it, but I'm with yeah. it. You know, I mean, you people are they 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 complain saying that this is not a sport. Well, there's some people that say, well, it's a dance sport, and then there's people that say, no, it's a dance. So, I mean, what do you? You know, I'm just like, dude, are you having fun? You know? Yeah, but don't define a sport because we have shooting in the Olympics and people are happy with that. Right. Like, I'm not. Like you, you... Nor <laughs> the horse riding. Get the horse riding out as well. There's a couple of sports whilst we're at it that we could get rid of. I think it's important though because it's it, for the progression of the sport and like you say, it goes up on the big stage and what's that going to do for all the kids that are inspired by what they see at the Olympics and they might not otherwise have opportunity to see it and yes, okay, they can have access to YouTube and what they choose to do with that with that inspiration is entirely up to them whether they want or they're, they're attracted to the, the big lights and the commercial side of it or if it is just the the grassroots of the sport i, th- I think these things the commercialism I, I get that people kind of have issues with it for, for reasons of, of wanting to keep it as a purest thing but i think for something to grow you've got to you've got to allow some of it to, to to be released to allow other people to have experience and opportunity to have a have a have a go at it and, and see if it's for them. And, and ultimately, we're talking about movement, right? And it's encouraging mm-hmm. people into a form of movement which they enjoy. And if, if it's not on the big stage, they may never get an opportunity or, or never have the impetus to actually go and feel like, you know what, I want to have a go at that. And that could be the thing they fall in love with and leads to a real source of happiness in their life. So yeah. I think the way we look at it, I think it's a positive thing. I'm excited. I, I, I love the way the Olympics is going with having like more urban sports in. I think it had to go there because yeah. it was getting boring. Like the, the Winter Olympics have been transformed by snowboarding and big air competitions. If it was just downhill skiing, no one would watch it because yeah. it's cool, but it's not relevant as much yeah. as what people are interested in these days. Well, I think, Tim, as well, the fact that like you look at what what if you if you embark on doing some breakdancing what are you as part of your sort of training and part of your movement what are you 
what you as a young person getting like there's so much there that would be potentially better than a number of other sports like those more square sports that we that we would currently do over here in the UK where you know you're getting that movement you're getting that freedom of sort of expression like there's there's not all those um there's not those sort of the strict rules and regulations around it and it's yeah there's and there's like a real community feel to it I, I just think there's there's so much to come from some of these other sports like this that well, whether you call it a sport or not but that yeah I couldn't agree more that if we're if we if that's getting pushed a little bit more to the forefront of becoming more mainstream yeah Pete I can see why people have a problem with it but it's only going to be the, for the greater of the good of the it's it is a, an intent entity but also everyone that's going to get involved in it I agree 100% with you guys I mean I'm, I'm smiling from cheek to cheek <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, and the other thing that I know, sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only, the only thing I know is that if you, if you get involved in breakdancing, you're going to learn to dance. And, and from growing up, I know <laughs> that girls like boys that can dance. So either way, whether you can do cool stuff or not, like if you can dance, then that's going to be, that's, that's good for your, for your long-term happiness prospects if you can attract a suitable partner in life through having will, a little bit of rhythm, which I wish I was it, better at. Exactly. It'll make you, I think it'll make you healthier because as a guy... Um, it means you don't have to get ridiculously drunk before you actually do anything <laughs> on the dance floor. It means you could like you you could actually be stone cold sober and actually drop some moves. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a health thing. It I mean, it's pure health. You know, dancing makes you happy. It makes you smile. It keeps you young. You know, yeah. I mean, once you hear a certain song that you like, and it just gives you that energy. There's no why fight that energy. You know, you gotta. Well, when people see your face, you look like twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Ricky, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start dancing now. <laughs> I haven't been dancing enough. That's my problem. Oh, uh, we got to get you dancing. Oh, um, yeah. But does it go to grey hairs? <laughs> <laughs> I need to send you, a, I've got a video from her that Jack's, we were listening to some music the other night and um, I, I think it might be his first rap. I think oh, he's kind of, yes. he's, he's, I'll send it, I got it on camera, but he's just like. No way. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll send it to you because it's very cute. But he's just like garbling noises, but he's, he's done it, he does it with attitude. And then he finishes off with a pose as well. I'm like, oh, where have you got this from? I'm not that cool. He's cooler than me already. He's three years old. <laughs> Brilliant. Awesome. Hey, that's a, that's a head start. That's a head start. Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to get. I really want to get him into a, into a, a sport like this. I, I was one of my questions was at what age does it is a good time for a kid to start um, be, get exposure? And do you start through something like street dance? Because I don't know whether can you go straight into break dancing as, as kids. You said the six year olds, so there must be there must be people who are teaching kids at that age. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's at three. Start him now. I mean, as early as he could crawl. I mean, if he could do a roll like roll over, I mean, that's already a good start. You know, it's just getting them familiar or her you know familiar with the movements mm. in the beginning is just you know that's that's key right there because <laughs> if, you, if you start late with movements and you know you already know it's going to be tough he does this thing where he just randomly be running along and he just goes into like he puts his hands on the floor and he and he like sticks his leg up in the air one leg up behind him yes. like it looks like a bit like a yoga move but every <laughs> time he does it, i'm like freestyle yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, like... That's, that's like a something we call like we call that a freeze you know every yeah. time you, yeah exactly every time you do a a combination you want to end up in a freeze. It's like uh, you're telling a story and then you end uh, with an exclamation point. Yeah. So if you oh, make that it. freeze, yeah. you know, that's that's already, you know, head start right there. So that, that's a good sign. He's a, he's a natural. He's a he's natural. natural. <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim, well, mate, you better start praying. 
<laughs> oh no, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I need to get my flares. Yeah, who's gonna learn flares first, you or the, you or Jack? <laughs> Crikey, I don't know. I just to keep doing pull-ups. I need to vary my uh, my movement practice a little <laughs> bit. I think try and train for too many different things. But um, yeah, no, it's good. Jack has tried to learn to backflip this year. Maybe I should invest some time in flares. I can do that at home as well, which is a is an added bonus. Yeah, Ricky, I'll hit you up for some progressions. You can get me started. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, if you have the space. It's all day, all day. I could help you. <laughs> so, Wicket, it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, onto the podcast. If people want to know more um, and be able to follow you, you're putting a ton of stuff out there to help people um, with their breakdancing on social media. And if they want to see how young you actually look, like where, 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 where's the best place to find you? Uh, they can find me at B-Boy Wicket. That's B-B-O-Y-W-I-C-K-E-T on Instagram. And... Uh, I basically turned my whole profile into a classroom. I realized that it's not about me anymore. And uh, I'm just trying to be of service for people who are trying to start, who are trying to get back into it. And, you know, just asking the right questions for everybody to see. And that, you know, it, it's it's all open field and, and we're all here learning. It's a win-win situation. So I appreciate y'all for having me yeah. on. It's uh, it's been it's been awesome to see that transition and and um, yeah we've exper- we've done some lives together where you've taught us some stuff there's some absolutely wicked uh, literally wicked stuff on your on there so do head over guys and girls and go and check him out on Instagram you will not be disappointed so other than that we've got nothing else to say apart from until next time class dismissed. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts, and we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a lot of value out of it, guys, and we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value, and also if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars not as good. Keep it five stars. are the best. Five of your best stars, please. <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. It's definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed. <laughs>